It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. What is up? Welcome to Wednesday, January 6th edition of Roughing the Kicker, a daily Kansas City Chiefs podcast on arrowheadreport.com. I'm your host, Tucker Franklin, and joining me today, we're going to make we're going to go full circle today with Mark Van Sickle. We're going to have our final grades for the Kansas City Chiefs season and our postseason awards. If you don't remember, Mark joined us for the midterm grades, our midterm report card. Now he's going to give out the final report card. So, Mark, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing pretty good, and kind of like we were saying in our chat, it's not, you know, they still have finals to go with the playoffs, but but we, we got the general grades for what they've done for the whole season. Yeah, I think that it's fair to grade off the regular season, so these are their final regular season grades, we could say, but mm-hmm. finals week to go, definitely. <laughs> I think that that's a, that's a great comparison. So let's just go ahead and dive right into it, because this could be a longer episode with how much stuff we're going to be talking about, because we're going to be talking... I think literally everything about the Chiefs. We're, we're going to hit every single topic. So we're going to start and dive into the offensive line. I went back and wrote my uh, what I had for the midterm beside my grades. I don't know if uh, you've got yours handy, but um, I gave the offensive line a C at the midterm, and I gave them a D-plus this time around because they've had trouble at the interior defense offensive line positions and you can see Patrick Mahomes not really trusting his interior offensive line. That's a little worrisome. They've had some injuries. Where's Mitchell Schwartz at the last time we talked about it, Mitchell Schwartz just got his injury and they've been without Mitchell Schwartz and he's still not back. I think that's a little bit of an issue when you, especially when you have backups going to the playoffs, but they did bring in Steven Wisniewski who could be a vital piece down the stretch of the playoffs, but we'll see. I just don't think they've done a whole lot to raise their grade from the C I gave them. Uh, in, at the midterm what do you have them at mark yeah i should have written down what i had at the midterms i'm sorry i didn't do that but <laughs> you're good. You're good. i i'm giving them a c minus i think it was something close to that um mm-hmm. and like you said they just haven't improved as much they have had the injuries and they just haven't been able to get over the hump uh like we were hoping to and they did have some guys step up at times but it just wasn't the quality of a season that we were hoping to see at the offensive line yeah, so C minus. Disappointing. <laughs> yeah, because I at the beginning of the year, I don't know if you remember, I said that the offensive line could be one of the chief strengths because I liked the depth that they had. I mm-hmm. liked the versatility in the depth that they had, but it just hasn't materialized that way, and it's a little bit disappointing. And I think I think C minus D plus were both kind of in that same range, but I just been it's just been a disappointing season for the offensive line, who was pretty strong a season ago. Yeah, I think they can be a bounce a group bounce back candidate for next year um Mm -hmm. with guys that are coming back who knows what's going to happen with schwartz but um i think if they can bring back the guys that uh, they didn't have from the covid list maybe ldt comes back um the rookie for some reason i'm blanking on his name right now lucas niang niang yes that's it uh that's i think that they're gonna have some nice depth next year plus the guys that they had coming this year like allegretti um get some Nice snaps for them this year. I think that that could be a a group that bounces back. I agree with you. So let's move to the other side of the trenches, to the defensive line. I gave them a B- at the midterm this time around. 
I kept the grade the same at a B minus because I will say Frank Clark went through a little third quarter slump there. It seemed I always went through a third quarter slump too when I was in school. I was never very good in the third quarter of games or just in in school, I guess I should say. But he went through a little third quarter slump. He's bringing it back around. Uh, you know, Tershawn Horton's been playing very well in the interior defensive line position, so I think that kind of boot bolsters their grade up from going down too. So I've been uh, pleasantly okay with the defensive line because there for a little bit I was smashing the panic button on the defensive line. Yeah, I uh, I am actually also going to go with a B minus. Uh, I think I had him a little lower. I think I had him at a C um, at the midterm because I was thinking that they needed to bring some more pass rush and they, they started getting, getting a little bit better at the end of the season. So yeah. I think they're, they raised their grade up a little bit from the midterm for me. Uh, like you said, with, uh, with Frank Clark getting some more pressure, Chris Jones still getting after it. And like you said, Wharton kind of came out of nowhere this year. So mm-hmm. that was a nice addition to the defensive line. They've had some injuries at this position, too. I mean, you know, Alex Okafor has been in and out with a hamstring injury. Taco Charlton, I can't remember what his injury was. I think he, like, broke his knee or something like that. It was something weird where he, yeah. he broke something and he's out for uh, the rest of the season, which was disappointing because he was playing pretty well for the Chiefs, yeah. and this was kind of his one opportunity he was getting. Uh, but really, overall, I think that, you know, it's like a roller coaster, right? If the season would have ended four weeks ago, they probably would have been one of the lower groups that we graded. But, I mean, they kind of turned around the past three, four weeks. And even seeing the backups play against, um, who was that, the Chargers on Sunday was yeah. was encouraging to see. Yeah, it was nice to see some of those guys in there that don't typically get the snaps. I was excited to see Saunders out there. I think he was playing mm-hmm. a little linebacker even, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of strange, but... Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of fun to see some of those guys out there. I think Okafor got some more snaps, um, mm-hmm. and so it's just another another chip in the, I guess a feather in the Chiefs' cap. Is what I was trying yeah. to say, um, yeah. so that they can have some depth even going into the playoffs. Because unfortunately, we saw some injuries. That's why they got to rest the players um, in mm-hmm. Week 17. But yeah, we saw some injuries, so hopefully they'll be able to be all right. But yeah, we got some depth now at the defensive line. Let's go back to the offense now. We're going to talk about the passing game. This includes, you know, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Um, I had them rated as a B, but I bumped that up to a B plus. If you start to think about, you know, Travis Kelsey, his year he had. Tyreek Hill had a really good year. Patrick Mahomes had a good year. He was an MVP candidate for 16 weeks essentially um so it's they did have a good passing game uh their first in passing yards per game and and total yards per game also second in completions and third in passing attempts as well so i think that that's exciting and one thing that i really think that this passing game has improved on is i think has to do with andy Reid and the play calling when it comes down to it in fourth downs and these late game scenarios andy Reid's given the keys to the car to Patrick Mahomes, letting him make the decisions, and I think that that's probably makes it a B. I wrote down B plus. I'm making it sound like an A minus at least now. I think so. I think I'm going to go with A minus. I like it. I I dig that change there at the end. I I picked an A. I'm giving the oh, passing yeah. game an A because just like kind of what you were saying there, it's it's kind of incredible what uh, Travis Kelsey did. I one of the best tight end seasons of all time in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyree Kill had an incredible season. I think he led the I saw a stat he led the league in yards per play that he was involved in or something like that. Like wow. four, 14 yards per play. 
whenever he touched the ball. So first in the NFL on that, Patrick Mahomes, what you can't say more about that guy. It's incredible what he's on. I, I, you said that he was in the MVP race till week 16. I think he's still in it. I yeah, think I think is. there's a chance that he could pull it out, which I know everybody's giving it to Rodgers. That's fine. That's that's totally mm-hmm. cool. He had a great season. But I think there's going to be some people that are surprised by how many votes that Mahomes gets in the MVP candidate yeah. or, uh, race. So I'm giving the passing game an A. You were doing some tweeting last night, Mark. Last night is in Tuesday night, I should say. Um or Monday night. I forget what day it is when we record these things. These days all run together. <laughs> it's true, uh, they do. <laughs> but you were tweeting about how Patrick Mahomes, I believe, is the first ever quarterback to have 5,000 total yards and over 40 touchdowns and less than seven turnovers. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. So 5,000 total yards between passing and rushing. Uh, 40 total touchdowns, and yeah, the six interceptions, I guess he didn't have a lost fumble this year, which I was kind of surprised at, but um, yeah, no other quarterback in NFL history has ever done that. The second closest was 2011 Aaron Rodgers, and he had more touchdowns, but less yardage. He only had 4,900 yards, so he didn't quite get to the 5,000 total yards. So it's a historic season for Patrick Mahomes. I know Rodgers is having a historic season as well. I think his big stat for the year is no quarterbacks thrown for 40 touchdowns and five interceptions. So that's great season. But yeah, Mahomes, crazy. Yeah, Mahomes crazy is something that we'll, we'll always be saying, it seems like. But let's keep it on the offensive side of the ball here. We're going to talk about the rushing game. Um, when we talked about this last, I believe it was the mid, when we talked about it at the midterm, which was around week eight, between seven and eight, I believe it was, um, they had just added Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was a new addition. I don't believe he had played a game yet. I don't remember what week the Jets game was because once again, all these weeks run together like all these days run together. So, um, and I gave them a C plus and I, and I bolstered them up because of the Le'Veon Bell signing. But I bumped him down to a C. I've been kind of disappointed in the uh, rushing game. A lot of that has to go back to the offensive line, but that's a deeper conversation that we don't need to have right now. Um, And they didn't have much to raise the grade, I I guess. They didn't do a whole lot to make me think, okay, this this group is better than what they were eight weeks ago. So I think that's kind of the the big issue and they didn't have a game like they did against Buffalo you know they had over 200 yards of rushing against Buffalo in week uh, four I believe that was and they didn't have a game like that uh, this at the second half of the season so I bumped them down from a C plus to a C in, in the final grade yeah I think I had them at a B or a B minus at the midterms um, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly and I'm giving them a B minus so I'm a little bit higher than you on the running back groups yeah. and and I was looking at some stats that I didn't I guess necessarily realized that they were having a better season than what what, what I kind of thought before going into looking at the stats, but I guess they're mm-hmm. averaging 4.5 yards per carry, which is actually pretty decent compared to what I, I thought that they'd be maybe four, maybe a little bit under. But part of that is, you know, the, the jet sweeps, they do a lot of those. So yeah. Tyreek Hill gets some of the credit for those uh, raising the bar on the averages and <laughs> such like that. But uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, before he got hurt, uh, I think he finished the season with a little over 800 yards rushing, and mm-hmm. so he could have had a 1,000-yard season, potentially, if he would have been able to play 
every game this season. Le'Veon Bell looked pretty good at times, and I think what kind of hurts the running back group is they just don't run the ball that much. (laughs) So so they don't get as many opportunities, and it was kind of cool to see Darwin Thompson get in there because we hadn't seen him, I think, since the fumble game. Um, uh, Yeah, I so I don't I can't remember which game was that. It was early. It, yeah. was, it had to be. It was Baltimore, wasn't it? Did he fumble against Baltimore? It was Baltimore or Buffalo. It was one of those two. Yeah, but uh-huh. he he really hasn't had offensive snaps since then. So right. it was cool seeing him in Week 17 have a pretty good game. And Daryl uh, Williams just looks like he could be yeah. a guy that can step in. So I'm giving him a B minus. Daryl's been the third down back all season, and he's really come into the game in these late-game situations to two-minute drill-type, four-minute drill-type situations because he's good in the pass pro. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball well. He's a hard runner. I do like Daryl Williams. Every time he touches the ball, I tweet out that picture of the barrel. Um, yes, because, I love it. <laughs> because, and the Pringles for Pringle. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's awesome. There's some good <laughs> nicknames on this team. But uh, you mentioned Darwin Thompson. Couldn't have happened to a better guy, I don't think, having a good day the way he did. Jordan Foote actually wrote a column about uh, what Byron Pringle, not Byron Pringle, what Darwin Thompson has gone through. And, you know, he talks about how he lost his uh, JUCO coach just a few months ago and how he's still working hard because he's got people looking up to him. It's a really good story at Arrowhead Report. Go look, check that out. It's, I believe, on our homepage. So you just type in arrowheadreport.com. It'll be right there. And you should go read that from Jordan. But I agree. I love to see Byron Pringle as well. You mentioned Byron Pringle. We didn't talk about him in the receiving game, but he could be a vital piece for this team moving forward, uh, especially mm-hmm. with the contracts coming up with the other wide receivers. Darwin Thompson could be a vital piece moving forward if you think about it with Le'Veon Bell's contract expiring. But Damian, w- Damian Wilson, not Damian Wilson, <laughs> Damian Williams is going to return uh, yeah. from the COVID um opt out so that's all uh, also something to think about but i mean when you're first in um yard passing yards per game and total yards per game and second in completions and third and just passing attempts in general you're right the running backs aren't going to get very many touches so maybe i am a little too critical on them but um that's fine so you went with what was your grade a b b minus yeah B minus. Okay. So B minus C for me. And let's move on to our last couple categories here. They're both defensive, both defensive position groups, the linebackers. I had them rated as a D plus. Uh, I think it was, yes, it was the worst grade uh, on, on me. Um, So the linebackers, I moved them up to a C minus because injuries led to Willie Gay playing more. Now, Willie Gay does have an injury. Now he is out for a two- to four-week window, is uh, according to Sam McDowell of the Star. He has a high ankle sprain. But the injuries uh, in the linebacker core, which are pretty thin right now, they've led to Willie Gay getting some more reps, and that's always good to see. Willie Gay on the field more is automatically going to bump him up in my book. So just Willie Gay being out there. And also, Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson have been playing Pretty solid this year. They've been playing like NFL linebackers, which is really all you need from those guys when you've got a good secondary, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think I had him at a D as well um, at the midterms, mm-hmm. and I'm giving him a C minus. I'm bumping him up a little bit as well, um, just because, like you said, it was nice seeing Willie Gay get some more snaps at the end of the year. Yeah. I hope he's all right. I don't know if he will get back for the playoffs just because it's the high ankle, which mm-hmm. you never know. It takes three to four weeks typically. So maybe he'll be back for the Super Bowl. I don't know how much playing time he'll get at that point um, if the Chiefs make it there, assuming they will. 
Um, but yeah, he could uh, definitely. He plays a lot of special teams as well, so he should at least be able to be in by the if they can make it to the Super Bowl. I think that he would be able to be back and at least do something for the Chiefs at that point. Yeah, I think that hopefully he can return. Like you mentioned, high ankle sprains are always tricky. If you remember Alvin Kamara last year, he had was dealing with a high ankle sprain and he just wasn't the same after he returned. But after he got this kind of season of rest, you know, he had a heck of a year this season. Oh yeah. So it's it's just one of those things where rest is the the most beneficial thing for a high ankle sprain, which is something you don't have a whole lot of in the NFL season. So mm-hmm. uh, having him maybe sit this out and go into the offseason won't be such a bad thing. Now Ben Neiman did hurt his hamstring this two-week layoff period right here will be nice for the linebackers to get ready to go because Damian Wilson is dealing with a knee contusion. Um, he's been dealing with that for three or four weeks now. So yeah. hopefully he's ready to go by the time the, the Chiefs need to take the field. So I, I feel more confident in the linebacker group than I had in, in games past, but um, I would still feel more confident if uh, Willie Gay was out there more than Ben Neiman. Yeah, I agree with that. And like you said, now that they've had, uh, now that they get the bye week, that's really huge. I think for the linebacking mm-hmm. group, it's probably the maybe the other than the offensive line. I think the linebacking group really needed the bye the most. And now that we've seen some other linebackers get in there, not that we w- want to see these guys that were playing in week seventeen and week sixteen all the time, but if somebody gets hurt, they have some people that can step in. We've seen them play; yeah. they didn't do terribly. Um, I mean. They could have done worse is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, but uh, they, they they came out and they played all right. So I even uh, Damian Wilson got some playing time. He didn't they didn't want him to play on in week mm-hmm. 17, but they had to throw him in there because of uh, the Willie Gay injury. So I think that they'll be ready to go once the playoffs come around and uh, C minus for the regular season for me, though. Yeah, I think it's all fair. We're going to move on to the secondary, which I think. Personally, is the Chiefs' strongest group. I believe they do have my highest grade, even after I bumped up the passing game. Yep, they do. Um, I've got them at an A, and I had them at an A minus. The thing that's interesting, though, is that the safeties. When let's talk about safeties, and then I'll move on to the corners. When it comes to the safeties, Juan Thornhill's seen less playing time since his uh, return after his ACL, which. I think is somewhat good because I don't know if he was totally trusting of his ACL. It's hard to come back from that type of injury, especially oh, something yeah. being so catastrophic and then having to pretty much relearn how to walk and then how to run and then everything else going with it. So Juan Thornhill, when he gets in there, he's played well. Um, but I think you can see him sometimes not trust his um, ACL, his, his leg, but Tyron Matthews, Tyron Matthew, right? He's doing honey badger things. He had one of the best seasons in terms of interceptions of his career. Dan Sorensen has been playing like playoff Dan more recently than, you know, just bad Dan Sorensen. So good Dan Sorensen's playing more than bad Dan Sorensen, which I'm always a fan of. So the safeties have been playing. uh, I think that's a a very strong group. But I mean, Legereus Sneed has really bumped up this cornerback group for me. He's been playing out of his mind. I believe he's the highest rated rookie cornerback according to Pro Football Focus. You can't complain about that. That guy came out of the fourth round. Brett Veach had to do some digging all the way down to Louisiana Tech. And he got had to go watch some football games to find this guy to be the best rookie cornerback in the draft. If you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, I don't know if I would have believed you because I was one of those guys like, who is why is Legereus Sneed starting? But now all of a sudden, we all got a need for Sneed. But oh, yeah. I mean, 
obviously, you know, Charvarius Ward, Brashad Breland, that quarterback group solid. You I mean, you saw Rashad Fenton play a little bit of nickel um, on week 17. And, you know, DeAndre Baker, a guy who, who got hurt, um, we saw him play well. But he hopefully he should be back in the building. But, Mark, what do you think about the secondary? Yeah, I think I had him at a B, maybe. I was a little confused. I didn't know that we were going to do the cornerbacks and safeties the yeah, first yeah, time yeah. we did this. I so I, that. I think I had him at a B, maybe, but I'm I'm giving him an A minus um, for the whole season. Uh, like basically what you were just saying, it, it's incredible what Sneed did. We have the need for Sneed and his mm-hmm. speed. His speed on defense is just incredible. And I think uh, you were talking about the digging deep into the fourth round and getting him. Brett Veach is great at finding these guys, uh, those type of guys late in the draft and undrafted free agents. Um, But he's kind of like, I I don't want to say this too soon, but he's kind of like a Tyron Matthew type where he -hmm. played safety in college. He played corner in college. He can play nickel. He can play in the slot. He can do whatever you want him to all over the secondary. And that's just like Tyron Matthew, Swiss army knife type of player. And that is incredible for the Chiefs to have that for the next four or five years on a rookie deal it's just crazy so if they can have a number one corner like that to go along with Matthew I don't know what they're going to do in the future with his contract but if they can have a couple of guys like that in their secondary that's just incredible and they're going to have a solid secondary for years to come which is great to pair with Patrick Mahomes in the offense (laughs) I totally agree, and Jordan and I have made that comparison too. So you're not the only one that sees what about uh, Legereus Need and, and Tyron Matthew, and that's really encouraging to hear somebody else say it besides us. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I I really like his play style because of his versatility, his ability to play in the slot, to play outside, to play safety. It's something that you know Steve Spagnolo loves. It's something that Brent Veach loves. It's really something that Andy Reid loves for his football team. So uh, the versatility of Legereus Need is just too exciting and I know sometimes you know the Chiefs have been burnt by young young cornerbacks that have small sample sizes it's happened before and so it's it's okay to be aware of the sample size you know you just need to be cognizant of it but I just think Legereus Sneed is is too good at too many things for him to be a bust I was gonna say that he, the way he started out the season was very encouraging and like you said you want to see the sample size he has the collarbone injury and then you're a little bit nervous. How's he going to react when he comes back from it? And he just gets right back in there, dives mm-hmm. for another interception. Like the first game back, I'm like, oh, man, this guy is incredible. He's coming back strong. He's already looking like he's ready to go. He's not. No fear. And right. that's that's what you need in the secondary. So uh, it's really cool to see that. And I was going to mention something about Dan Sorensen. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to wait till a little bit later in the, sh- in the show. Fair so enough. teaser there. If you want to hear some more Dan Sorensen talk. (laughs) Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we'll move on to the second part of this show. We've got the team awards. If you're watching this on YouTube, I've got my uh, my tuxedo t-shirt on. <laughs> because it's award season, I had to dress up to give out these awards. And we're going to do the most valuable player, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, 
comeback player of the year, most improved player, and rookie of the year. And Mark, we're going to start with MVP, and I think we both agree on this. I don't know if we need to spend a whole lot of time on who the MVP of the Kansas City Chiefs are. Uh, We both agree it's Patrick Mahomes, correct? It's Patrick Mahomes, and just like we talked about earlier, it's everything we talked about, the 5,000 total yards, the 40 touchdowns, only six turnovers. He's having an NFL MVP-type season, so of course he's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs MVP, no doubt about it. Yep, I totally agree. We're going to move on to the Offensive Player of the Year. And you know what, Mark? We probably agree on this one as well. But I think there are two people you, you could make a case for. I've got Travis Kelsey, and I assume that you do as well. I have Travis Kelsey with his 1,400 yards receiving NFL record for a tight end, 11 touchdowns. Also, like you were saying, honorable mention, Tyreek Hill. I think that's yep. where you're going with that. So yep. he uh, 15 touchdowns, uh, 14 yards per touch. That was the stat that we were talking about earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. Leads the NFL. So, man, when you have a trio like that on offense, that's just incredible to have. <laughs> It is hard to beat. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about these two selections because I think they're no-brainers. Um, defensive Player of the Year might also be a no-brainer, too. I've written down Tyron Matthew, as I mentioned earlier. He's having one of the best seasons of his career in terms of interceptions, pass defense. He's been asked to play a whole lot of different roles, wear a bunch of different hats, and he's done it. He's played well, and you know sometimes what Tyron Matthew does doesn't show up on the score sheet. Sometimes he doesn't have a game where he has a lot of tackles or he has a lot of interceptions, but what he does for the defense I think is invaluable for what any other player can do on this team. I totally agree. Tyron Matthew is my pick as well. Six interceptions, including a pick six. Uh, Nine pass defense, team leader in both of those categories. And um, I I said I want to talk about Dan Sorensen a little bit. He's my honorable mention this year. Now, Mm -hmm. people may be laughing at that right now. If people that listen to this podcast know, Dan Sorensen gets a little bit, you know, some wishy-washy territory here sometimes. But, But he leads the team in tackles. 91 total tackles, 68 solo tackles, which is crazy here, 24 better than the next person in solo wow. tackles, which I, I wasn't expecting that, honestly, when I started looking up some of Dan Sorensen's stats, but <laughs> that is just crazy to me that he leads uh, the team by that much in solo tackles, and usually you think of linebackers are the guys that get the be- the most mm-hmm. tackles on your team, so that's another thing that Dan's good at. He can come down and he can hit you hard. And yep. it's it's sometimes he does make those plays where he just like totally whiffs on a tackle. But <laughs> you know what? I'm giving Dirty Dan my honorable mention for defensive player of the year. I will say, I will have more to say about Dan Sorensen later in the show. But <laughs> usually, well, I'll just save it. I'll just save it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think my honorable mention there would be would be Anthony Hitchens as well because the way he's captain this defense I think is very important from the linebacker position. But Tyron Matthews, uh, I think off the field, really on-field general type uh, aspect of his play is, is insane. To go along with the stats too. I mean, the great stats. Uh, I mean, you pulled up there six interceptions for the dude. And uh, I've, I've just been continually impressed with Tyron Matthews. So let's go to... Comeback player of the year. I'm interested to know what you have. I don't know if mine necessarily fits comeback player of the year, but but what do you have, Mark? I have Juan Thornhill as the comeback yeah. player of the year just because um, he went down in week 17. So he didn't miss much of the season last year, but just being able to come off the ACL injury in a pandemic season, being able to play in all 
16 games. I know they rest a lot of guys in mm-hmm. week week 17, but he was one of maybe a handful of guys who played in every game this year on the defensive side of the ball. And that was just really incredible to see because I know he was a step slower this year. He he wasn't quite as aggressive as he was last year in his rookie season. But just being able to go out there and play in every game, get back into game shape, I guess is what people like to say. Um, so since he didn't have any of the preseason stuff, you know, it, it probably took him a little bit to get back into it. But I think – Next season, I think he's going to have – I wrote those second-year jump articles before the Mm -hmm. season started, and I think he's going to have a nice third-year jump because the second-year jump was a little bit thrown off with the pandemic and the injury. Um, But I think that we can look at him to have a great third season next year. So comeback player of the year for me, Juan Thornhill. I thought that that was a pretty easy selection. So I started to try to kind of think outside the box because I didn't want us to have the same four in a row, right? I wanted us to have a little bit of variety here. So I went with Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher isn't a guy who was necessarily hurt and came back. I think it's interesting to think about him from the point of there were a lot of murmurs when the season started about him being cut, him saving cap room. And he comes out and plays extremely well. A top 10 tackle in the league, according to PFF. I think that he's played his way into, you know, staying around, sticking around for next season and not being a cap casualty. And I've been really pleased with Eric Fisher. The dude catches a whole lot of crap. He does. More than he probably deserves. He's a solid tackle in this league. And really, the Chiefs are spoiled when it comes to their tackles. Mitchell Schwartz, when healthy, is a top 10 tackle as well. So you got some solid tackles on the offensive line. But... Eric Fisher, I think, deserves more credit than than he than he gets because the dude's the number one overall pick. People forget about that in that twenty thirteen draft, and he's 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 played well. I think this season. I I love the pick honestly. He is one of the more underrated players. I feel like on the mm-hmm. Chiefs because, like you said, that was the year when the Chiefs had no options at the top of the draft <laughs> to get like a good quarterback, you know, one of the, mm-hmm. that's, that's their one year that they could have done something great with that. And they, there was nothing. So I'm really glad that they picked Eric Fisher because he's just been ever since his rookie season, I guess toward the end of his rookie season, he's just been a solid player. He got a lot of heat his rookie season just because number one overall draft pick, you know, mm-hmm. people are always critical about that, but he earned the second contract, and he has just been a solid piece. And I love, I love that you picked him. I appreciate that. That means a lot that you that you love to pick. Um, but I-, I was thinking, I need to get an Eric Fisher jersey hung up behind me in my backdrop. Just get a nice little Eric Fisher. Um, I need to get some offensive lineman jerseys back there. Heck Maybe yeah. Take down the Mahomes one and bring up an offensive line <laughs> jersey. But um, so we'll move on to most improved player. I'll have an honorable mention on this one, but I think it's Dan Sorensen. I think Dan Sorensen gets my nod for most improved player. If we, this is what I was talking about earlier. Um, if you look at Dan Sorensen last year, he would have one good play for about every five bad plays, right? <laughs> It seems like he's cut that down this year. It seems like it's about one good play for about every two or three bad plays. So he's he's cutting it down. And and I think that he has really improved as you mentioned leading the team in tackles is not something that you should, you know, shake your fist at. It's something that's a that's a good accomplishment. And my honorable mention at this position too is Anthony Hitchens as well. I think Anthony Hitchens has improved to be a solid middle linebacker for the Chiefs. But if you think about where Anthony Hitchens has come from, you know, he came from the Cowboys, had to adjust to the Bob Sutton defense 
That's one year. And second year with the Chiefs, he had to adjust to Steve Spagnuolo's defense. Now this is the yeah. first year with the that he's been able to have a system for more than one year. So he's finally getting comfortable in Steve Spagnuolo's system, and it's showing in his play. Those are great picks right there. I <laughs> I went on the other side of the ball, and I'm going to say Nick Allegretti okay. is my most improved player because we didn't really get to see him outside of – some special team snaps um, last year. And then he just got thrust into the role after the Mitchell Schwartz injury. And he played 693 offensive snaps this year and only one sack allowed. So that is really impressive to me for a sophomore season. I wasn't sure when I wrote the article about Nick Allegretti, I honestly didn't know what to write about. So that was kind of a, a tough one to do, but he really showed out this year. In, in the article, I actually said he would need about two or three injuries to be able to become a starter and we had two or three injuries plus the COVID opt-out so (laughs) I was really happy that he stepped up into the role and actually played well and I think that he solidified himself as a member of the offensive line going forward. I do too and I think that that's really exciting we talked about earlier uh, in the podcast too when we talked about the offensive line LDT is going to come back Lucas Niang is going to come back maybe Andrew Wiley doesn't come back because of Nick Allegretti. And I think that that's something that could be seriously looked at because Nick Allegretti, this is the home of the Nick Allegretti hype train. Go ahead and sound the train whistle. We got the Nick Allegretti, <laughs> got the Nick Allegretti hype train rolling here at Roughing the Kicker. So we love Nick Allegretti. And I, I really like what he's been doing. Maybe that's the jersey I got to put behind me is a Nick Allegretti one. Oh, um, yeah. People say that Nick Allegretti and I look alike. I don't know if I see it, but... Uh, I can see I, it a little bit. I've been told. I've been told that we look alike. (laughs) So let's move on to our final category here. Our final award is Rookie of the Year. The Chiefs have had some solid rookies this season. You probably know where I'm going to go with this one. But, Mark, I want to know who your Rookie of the Year is. Yeah, I think we're uh, on the same page on this one. We went on about him a little bit earlier in the Mm -hmm. secondary conversation. And it's our need for Sneed. Yep. Legereus Sneed. You got the T-shirt. You, you, you want to hype it up. That's totally cool with me. You can p- pump that shirt anytime you want. I mean, that you got on that train early, and you're riding mm-hmm. it, and that is perfect. Whenever he makes a play, put the link up there on Twitter. Show people what's going on in the playoffs because the need for Sneed is here, and it's here to stay. My rookie of the year, LeJerry Sneed. There were a couple honorable mentions for me. I had uh, yep. Treshawn Wharton and Mike Dana as kind of co-honorable mentions because those guys just kind of came. I was – confused personally about the Mike Dana pick um, when the Chiefs made that in the fifth round, but he has shown that he's been a nice, solid depth piece, and uh, Sean Wharton came out of nowhere, undrafted free agent, making a lot of, he's had a couple sacks, Um, I think he had a forced fumble as well, Um, but getting pressure, he has some solid defensive line moves like you mm-hmm. you look at those guys like I'm I'm not one that watches a lot of film but when I look back at the game and some of the highlights and I see Wharton just doing these swim moves and jumping around the edge it's like wow this guy could be good and you got him yeah. for cheap for four years so <laughs> I, I it's just exciting to see what this uh group of rookies is doing for the Chiefs 
undrafted free agent Tershawn Horton is. Um, yeah. Insane that he was able to just be nabbed. And he came from D2 Missouri S&T, um, <laughs> which I'm pretty I'm pretty knowledgeable in Division Two, going to Northwest Missouri State, covering the Bearcats for quite some time. I know a lot about Division Two football. I didn't know anything about Tershawn Horton coming out. So that was one of the guys I was like, I don't know who this is, um, <laughs> and, which is, is, is funny at the same time. But I'm glad that he was able to, you know, make an impact. Him with Chris Jones is going to be nasty. Um, he's got a great first step, good pass rushing moves, as you mentioned. His run run stopping game needs a little bit of work, but that's okay because he's very good and obvious passing downs. And that's what you have Derek Naughty for, right? That's what you have, you know, Mike Pinnell for is to stop mm-hmm. the run. You get Tershawn Horton in there, you throw a pass he- pass rush heavy line in there, it's going to be pretty nasty. But I do also have Legereus Sneed. I think we should mention Clyde Edwards-Alaire because he did have a good season before he was injured in the final and he sat out the final, what was it, two games of the season. Mm-hmm. Um and I think people forget sometimes he's a rookie um, because yeah. he just seems like he fits right in with this offense. And, and I think that we should mention him, but man, LeJarius Seen has just had an out of this world season for a rookie quarterback. Yeah. I was going to say Clyde Edwards, Alaire didn't even make my list and he's the first round draft pick and he had <laughs> right. almost a thousand yards rushing. It's like, man, this was a good draft class. Like Brett Beach deserves a lot of credit for that. And uh, whoever else is making the decisions in that room with him. Yeah, we've seen, you know, Brent Tillis, the, you know, cap guru that uh, Brett Veach has. He's been, you know, requested to interview for some GM jobs. We could mm-hmm. see some some Chiefs coaches get, get poached here with a lot of jobs coming open, both in the GM and in head coaching vacancies. So it's just going to be something to watch moving forward. But, Mark, I really appreciate you joining me, giving our grades, giving out the awards. Had a great time. Do you have any uh, final words out there for the MVLs? Yeah, it'll be exciting to see who the Chiefs uh, get to play. I guess it's Wild Card Weekend. We just get to sit back and enjoy it. And I was really hoping Mm -hmm. to see the Browns upset the Steelers. Unfortunately, with the COVID stuff, they're not going to have their head coach on the sideline this week. I don't believe. I think that he has to sit out. So I don't think the Browns are going to pull it out. I'm going to be a big Colts fan this weekend. I'd like to see the Colts versus the Chiefs for the divisional round and the Ravens versus Titans matchup is just going to be a great game. So don't really care who wins that one. I'm kind of leaning towards the Ravens right now, but I'm hoping to see Colts versus Chiefs. If not, it'll probably end up being Ravens or Titans versus Chiefs, but we'll see what happens. And, uh, we'll figure it out and we'll have a good time talking about it next week. Connor Christopherson joined me on yesterday's podcast. We broke down the whole NFL wildcard weekend. So if you need any refreshers on what games are going on, what we think about the games, go back, listen to that podcast. It's a nice little podcast to get some refresher going. But Mark, as always, great time talking with you. Go follow Mark on Twitter at Mark the Overseer. Tomorrow we'll be back with Connor Christopherson and Jordan Foe. We're going to be doing our Roughing the Mailbag segment and possibly our Unnecessary Roughness segment. We've been throwing that one out a couple times just because we like the questions and want to talk longer about the questions, but we'll see what we have. Um, we've got some good questions already this week, so I'm excited for that segment. It's Wild Card Weekend. We don't have to really worry about any Chiefs stuff, which is nice. It's yes. nice to kind of sit back and watch some football, and, I'll, and I'll, that's what I'll be doing this weekend, and I'll be tweeting out there, so you should follow along with us. So go follow myself on Twitter, at Tucker D. Franklin. Stay up to date with the show. Also, go follow us 
us on YouTube. Go subscribe. Uh, we got some good YouTube content. We do some YouTube exclusives. Jordan and I do as well. So got a lot of good content going out there. And also, if you want a preview of the podcast, I always tweet out the, the videos before the podcast actually goes out. So you can get a little sneak peek of what we talk about on the show the next day so that's always something to do so go subscribe to our youtube channel roughing the kicker make sure to get those notifications on like them all that all that youtube stuff i'm supposed to say right thumbs up comment do everything leave a rating on the podcast wherever you're listening to it subscribe to the podcast make sure you don't miss an episode and tomorrow i'll be back with connor and jordan we're gonna be talking some questions we love answering your questions so until then i'll talk to you tomorrow The Roughing the Kicker Chiefs podcast is a daily Kansas City Chiefs podcast brought to you by Almost Entirely LLC in association with ArrowheadReport.com. Roughing the Kicker is hosted and produced by Tucker Franklin, executive produced by Joshua Briscoe, and is available on ArrowheadReport.com or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Chiefs coverage, visit ArrowheadReport.com and follow at SIChiefs, at Tucker D. Franklin, and at JB Briscoe on Twitter. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.